the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. It is uh, your show. Open lines from here on out. 602-508-0960 is the only price of admission. And Rob is kicking us (laughs) off. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm fine, sir. And I think that price of admission is well worth the price. Um, you were, uh, and first of all, I have to apologize because I was running errands, so I missed your monologue, but I caught bits and pieces, including Lafayette. Thank you very much, sir. Um, right before a break, I think, or right after one. Um, I still think it's a great Maynard song, but uh, thank you for playing it. Um, I had read, I, I was listening to when you were talking earlier about how um, you know, people don't want to get involved when there's things like muggings going on. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I don't know if you'd read the Kurt Schlichter article in Town Hall where I think it came out yesterday, but basically it was entitled Passivity is a Choice and We Made It. And uh, his, his themes, I think, are really we shouldn't be surprised uh, that people aren't getting involved because they're just doing exactly what society has told them to do. And they're making a rational choice because uh, the message that society has been giving everybody is that we need to stand back and watch. Because if we do get involved, uh, you know, you're going to end up being sued, uh, going to prison instead of the bad guy, or getting hurt or killed. And so, uh, again, most of the time, you know, criminals are going to be criminals. And, uh, you know, our natural instinct for sheepdogs among us are to interfere. Uh, with a bad guy, and, of course, use arms if necessary. But there's many places in the country where, you know, society is deprived of of the ability to intervene, and uh, then if you do, you know, the trouble begins, because you might be uh, in one of those cities with a a lefty-bought district attorney, then you end up getting prosecuted, and... You know, Kurt even makes the point, take from a lawyer, innocent people get shafted all the time by the system, especially when the system wants them shafted. Uh, maybe you'll get acquitted. Uh, maybe after a couple of years of Hades, sometime in jail and financial ruin, congratulations. Or, you know, if somebody videotapes what's going on, uh, your mug gets uh, uh, into the hands of a social justice warrior favorite group and the crook's criminal record uh, or whatever's going on before filming or afterwards you know, that's not going to get in the way of a narrative, right? right. Um, so what what he's, I think, really getting at is we've been conditioned um, to not get involved because uh, there's a heavy price to be paid for people who have gotten involved. And I think that, uh, and again, he even makes the case with the police who are making the same, uh, I guess, judgment to get involved or not, uh, especially in those Democrat-run cities. Uh, and especially when, you know, all the negative publicity has been going on for the last year with the police. I mean, why would anybody in their right mind want to get involved if you're going to be, you know, plastered all over the news, likely get sued, likely go to jail? And, yeah, 
and and so that's kind of his theme. It's like, well, we could encourage heroism, but you know, the establishment and society doesn't really want those kinds of heroes anymore. So, uh, what what he mentioned at the end was, you know, this abdication is democracy. It's simply what some voters asked for. Just stop pretending to be surprised that people are doing what they're told to do, which is nothing. Uh, and I found that to be extremely enlightening. Um, one of the writers, uh, or one of the comments, which is equally uh, great, was quoting C.S. Lewis uh, from the Abolition of Man. We where, make men without chests and expect of them yeah. virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor yeah. and are shocked to find traitors in our yep. midst. We cast straight and bid the gildings be fruitful. Be fruitful. Well done, sir. And We, I we think demand the what, function after we remove the organ. Exactly. And that's, that's what uh, somebody had made a comment on, and I thought, how oh, apropos. And that's, I think, where we are today, and isn't that sad? Well, yes. Yes. And the question is, what is the origin, what is the etiology, etiology of it, not ideology, etiology, the right. beginnings of it, you get it. And, and, and how much longer can we go down this road? Um, of making men without chess. I mean, it seemed like starting in the mid-90s, many of us in the commentary of our culture and the observation of our culture were talking about a renewed importance of fatherhood and manhood. And there was a bit of a movement over that, and the left scorned and scoffed and mocked Precisely because they thought, on the one hand, we were making too much importance of, you know, rugged individualism and martial virtue. And on the other, they very seriously did want to diminish the notion of the difference between sexes. And they are now doing it scientifically after they have started the job of doing it ideologically. It's, it's going to be an interesting uh, anthropological study a hundred or a hundred and fifty years from now as to what happens when you remove um, manhood from men, manhood yeah. from biological men, both characteristically and physically. Mm. But for those of us that don't have a hundred and fifty years, I think we're already starting to see the consequences. Oh, I, I agree. And again, I think this goes back to that whole emasculation of men. Um, it's, I don't even think it's a theory. I think we're, we've been seeing and experiencing that for, boy, at least 40 years, whether it's, you know, the characters you see on TV or uh, just a general sense where uh, males in particular, well, no, males in general, white males in particular, uh, have felt like, well, I guess we're not really that needed or very important because, you know, women can do whatever men can do. And the father isn't very important because so many people are going for single parenthood where the mother doesn't bother marrying the father. And, and so this sort of falls in line with the whole you know, the cultural route we always talk about um, and just the diminishing of uh, the male role in society and male role models in particular, or positive male role models, we should say. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in a bad place, and I'm not sure especially in the big cities, but it's going to get any better. <laughs> I, 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 look, I, I give you the Kamala Harris hat, laugh here, Rob, because... Oh, better. Huh? 
Yours is much better. Uh, well, thank you. I, no, I give you I give you that because, you know, with all the things being thrown at us that we need to deal with, debt, border, <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, yeah. uh, transgender critical race theory studies at West Point, uh, yeah. p- programs at West Point and the Naval Academy. You're not getting off too easy here, buddy. Uh, no, I hope not. Yeah, no. And uh I, I mean with all the things that 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 are coming our way, um, and we still haven't gotten rid of this pandemic that the president still likes to carry around numbers ghoulishly in his pocket to berate us as if yeah. it's our fault for them because we won't do the patriotic thing to stop it and act uh-huh. like Neanderthals uh in our in our in our in our understanding of science. You know, I, I just don't see it going in the right direction anywhere soon, Rob. I don't either. Unless there is a truly once in a blue moon situation where the politics can change the culture. And that would be, you know, if we can take back sweepingly the House and Senate. But if the politics is going to change the culture in America, it's only going to do so because Americans, enough Americans, got tired of the cultural rot that they've been given. So, oh, so it's a it's a little bit symbiotic, but it's going to require a massive effort. Oh, it is, and the current politics, of course, as well as the current media, is not going to support any of that. That's correct. That's they're, correct. They're just going to support the current status quo. Also, the good news I should tell you, two of the three places I ran errands to, I didn't have to wear a mask inside. Yay. What what what, <laughs> ki- what kinds of places were they? Well, one one was Lowe's, uh, and while the people that work there are still wearing masks, I brought mine in, and I said to one of the people I first ran into, do I really have to wear this? Uh, no. Go to and Lowe's. Then, okay. Yeah. New, yeah. new sponsor. Lowe's. Next. Um, or new freebie yeah. commercial. Next. CVS uh, Pharmacy. Uh, Go to CVS next. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a jeweler called V Jewelers in Surprise uh, that I didn't have to wear a mask either, even though the workers have to wear. Uh, I had to get my Naval Academy class ring resized because, like my head, my finger has swollen so much over the years. <laughs> so they did a good job, except there's something wrong with the stone. But they really made it gold. I can't believe how gold it looks now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, but it, yeah, but anyway, I mean... So, again, I well, I got a haircut, and unfortunately I had to wear a mask uh, getting my haircut, which is kind of awkward when they have to take one side off to do your ears. And, but um, hopefully that will change. All right. I got I got to yeah. take the break, Rob, but God bless you. Yes, God sir. love you. Ex Sienta Tridents and all that. Solar Sandy has brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. The difference between Solar Sandy and other solar companies is not just the integrity. She actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's so important when going solar, you do it the right way. And my good friend Solar Sandy, she is a good friend, has the formula. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back into your pocket. When you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay a year, 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months, and these aren't ORs, and 
Because it's March Madness, Solar Sandy's promotion for the first 50 families will receive a $1,000 signing bonus. That's right. No solar panel payment, no power bill for 12 months, and a $1,000 bonus at signing. There's no better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. So go to AskSolarSandy.com. Again, that's AskSolarSandy.com and let her know I sent you. Rob brings up something that we haven't thought about here in a long time, and it's the cultural aspect of conservatism. A cultural aspect, I was saying, that was pretty vibrant in the mid-'90s. Gertrude Himmelfarb was writing books and essays about Victorian values. The Book of Virtues was reigning uh, important, the index of uh, leading cultural indicators, uh, the fatherhood. Uh, movement uh, and all that network of trying to improve the conditions of our country given high crime, high uh, fatherlessness, uh, high uh, substance abuse, each one, of course, reinforcing and usually part and parcel symbiotically of the other. Have things gotten better since then or worse? I ask you. I ask you. Um, It reminded me, I I was saying to Rob, this is a country that uh, 150 years from now, anthropologists maybe will be able to write about, if they're serious, I don't know if they are anymore, but if that field is serious, it may be able to write about what happens to a society that ideologically and then physically castrates manhood in a country that was built on martial virtue and rugged individualism. I love this story we learn from animals. I love this story from the broken hearth. Kruger National Park is South Africa's largest conservation area. Forty years ago, when it had many more elephants than the park could sustain, researchers decided to kill off some of the adults and relocate some of the easily transportable children elephants. The younger elephants were eventually resettled in Pilanisburg National Park. All seemed well. Till a few years later, Pilanisburg began to experience the unexplained slaughter of its white rhinoceroses, slaughter of its white rhinos. Although the obvious explanation was poachers, this turned out not to be the case. When park rangers set up video cameras, they discovered that young, hyper-aggressive bull elephants were harassing the rhinos, chasing them over long distances and finally goring them to death with their tusks. This was puzzling. Elephants, after all, are generally docile creatures and rarely, if ever, attack other animals. But it turned out that these orphaned elephants, if you will, had developed into a band of marauding teenagers led by gang leaders. Normally, older bull elephants function as a civilizing presence to keep the young males in line. But these transplanted elephants, according to the Pilanisburg field ecologist Gus Van Dyke had no role model and no idea 
of what appropriate elephant behavior was, as there were no older male elephants to teach them. The solution was to transport to Polanisburg some older, mature bulls, bull elephants, creating, in the words of CBS correspondent Bob Simon, the biggest Big Brother program in the world. Within weeks, discipline was established, and the younger elephants began to follow the older bull elephants around, imitating them and exhibiting good behavior and even seeming to enjoy the presence of their elder role models. Evidently, since that experiment began, there have been no more reports of killed rhinos. Okay. This is an experiment that is going to have radical repercussions here. And it made me think, as long as I'm quoting from The Broken Hearth, it made me think of something uh, Bill Bennett used to talk about in his speeches about honor. Does honor have a future? America is the greatest nation in the history of the world, the richest most powerful, most envied, most consequential. And yet we look around and don't always feel that way every day, do we? When we see what we see in the news, when we read what we read about taking place in Manhattan as but one example. America is a place of heroes, honor, achievement, and respect. But it's also a place where heroism is often confused with celebrity, where honor is confused with fame and true achievement with popularity. One might even go so far as to say individual respect with political correctness. Our culture celebrates self-gratification, the crossing of all moral boundaries, one might say scientific boundaries as well, and of course the breaking of any and all social taboos. And on top of it all, too often the sound heard is whining, the whining in America or of America, which can be heard only as the enormous ingratitude of we who look at our unprecedented good fortune. Despite our wonders and our greatness, we are a nation that ex has, ex has experienced a lot of social regression and more has been imposed on us. And so much decadence in such a fast period of maybe I should say short period of time that, as Bill Bennett likes to say, we've become the kind of place to which civilized countries used to send missionaries. Get right to it. Get to the point. Let it let it let it roll. Yeah. I love that emphasis on the consonant there. Chris is in Mesa. Hi Chris. Hi. Hi Seth. How are you? I'm fine. This is the first time I've ever called, but I've been listening to the station for almost 20 years. Oh, my gosh. I moved to Arizona, and I do like your show very much. Thank, Thank you. you. I had to call because um, a couple of callers ago uh, the gentleman who was very articulate said he didn't have much success trying to change people's minds. Right. And frankly, I don't 
try that hard yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I have a good friend, and we've been friends for a long time. Um, she's Christian. She's a librarian like I was. And um, she just, you know, she sort of airs on the airs. She um, sits on, on the more liberal side of issues. Um, she has a big heart. I will I will give her that, a big, big heart. She's wonderful. So um, we've talked about Trump from time to time, and not at all with any acrimony, thank goodness. And she mentioned the Charlottesville thing. Um, and I said, wow, is that all you've heard? You know, that one line about there are good people on both sides. I said, have you ever read the entire script? She was at my house having dinner at the time. I said, let me find it. I did. And I sort of skimmed it and read parts to her. I didn't think she wanted to read the whole thing. And she didn't react at first, but about 20 minutes later, she came over to me and said, I didn't realize that. That was such a revelation. (laughs) So I guess evidence maybe if it's presented in the right time, the right place, you know, maybe. I think that's right. And that's a beautiful story in this respect, Chris, is sometimes, you know, you don't know what seed you plant. No, you don't. And, you know, you may have just, you know, taken away a talking point from a friend for a moment. But, you know, there may be a story someday there may have been one, one since then, but there may be a story someday that um, will make her reflect on, well, is the media narrative always right? I remember that, that slander, mm-hmm. or, or, or if not the word slander, I remember that in heresy, <laughs> the, the error Taking of, out of, yeah, yes, out yeah, of context. Yeah, of Charlottesville. <laughs> so you never know, and it may, it may start a thought process, or it may at least have reverberations like a stone in a still lake that you you well, don't you don't yes. see where they go. Yes, and maybe I will, you know, but she is a special friend, Good. so I think that was part of it. Good. Thank well, listen, listening. maybe the closer and... the friend, the more you can do it. And 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 discerning as to, you know, of course, uh, time, place and yes, manner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, time, place and manner is a is a good yeah. rule. It's a, a good, good rule. Dinner. Was I that the worst time. lie told about Trump from your perspective or the biggest? Uh, No, I think in terms of the situation, it could be, you know, I wasn't really keeping close tabs on it because, you know, I don't listen. Well, NPR, I do listen once in a while, but my neighbor gets the New York times and I asked him if I could look at it. This was a week before the election and they had a special section and it said, splash in huge, bold letters on the newspaper size, Trump is a liar, a racist, a this, a that. I mean, six different terrible things, pejorative things. And then I went inside and read, and of course, it's all out of context, and it's just ranting. But he, gad. oh, by the way, by the way, the New York Times is now advertising on television for people to subscribe. Oh, is it? Is it? Yes, I know. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching Wee TV. Um, I'm a Law and Order freak, so I'm so glad they've got a new one coming if out. If you like Law and um, Order, check out Chicago PD or FBI. 
Chicago PD and or, FBI. And FBI. Um, yeah. What station would that be? I on? watch it on. Not sure because I I tape them or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. I'll look into it. It might well, be CBS. You. It's something like that. Anyway, well, God so bless you, Chris. You that was fan- Thank fabulous. You. Thank okay. you for doing that, and thanks for calling. Call again. The water's just fine. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm still struck by the email a listener sent me yesterday when I was telling the uh, story of over at CNN that um, they had an actual reporter, a news reporter, do a story on South Dakota and the transgender battle there with the governor. And in the story, it's not an op-ed, it is a news story from a non-contributor, actually, someone who is full-time employed by CNN. And they wrote this exact sentence. It's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there is no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth. Those who thought that the height of absurdity, ignorance, never mind the absence of science, um, like Padma Lakshmi, said if you don't trust your children and take their words seriously, you don't have business being the president of the United uh, Sorry, you don't have business being a parent. Well, a lot of you told me that um, it would be good to hear out the expert on this, Abigail Schreier. And uh, as fortune would have it, she um, just did a Prager University video. So I give you Abigail Schreier. If you know any middle or high school girls today, or if you are one yourself, It would not be surprising if you know someone who identifies as transgender. The latest statistics indicate that 2% of American high school students now identify as transgender, and the overwhelming majority of them are teenage girls. Between 2016 and 2017 alone, the number of females seeking gender surgery in America quadrupled. But if you graduated high school over a decade ago, it was unlikely that you knew anyone who was transgender Because, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the condition underlying it afflicted roughly 1 in 10,000 people, or 0.01% of the population. Almost none of these cases were teenage girls. In fact, before 2012, there was no scientific or medical literature discussing adolescent girls who wanted to transition to the opposite sex. That doesn't mean that we didn't know about transgender individuals. Gender dysphoria, the severe discomfort in one's biological sex, has been studied for nearly 100 years. It almost always involved boys who began feeling it between the ages of 2 and 4 and were strong and persistent in their assertions to everyone around them that they were really girls. When a phenomenon that affects one half of a population, boys, suddenly begins affecting the other half, girls, and when its age of onset shifts from preschool to adolescence, something significant is happening. In 2016, Brown University public health researcher Lisa Littman began studying the sudden spike in trans identification of teenage girls. She concluded that peer influence and social media influence had a lot to do with this trans teen phenomenon. 
After all, based on parent reports, none of these girls had exhibited symptoms of gender dysphoria at the age that it typically first presents, early childhood. YouTube, Reddit, Tumblr, TikTok, and Instagram all host popular social media influencers, today's version of Hollywood stars, who insist that if you feel uncomfortable in your body, you're probably trans. Many promise that if you start a course of testosterone, all of your problems will go away. There's every reason to believe that these girls are experiencing real psychological pain. Rates of anxiety, depression, and instances of self-harm are all at record levels for this generation. A quick fix becomes very tempting. So it doesn't take much, a YouTube video, a friend's suggestion, to get a troubled girl to buy into the fantasy that gender transition is the answer. Unfortunately for these girls who do not have typical gender dysphoria, gender transition rarely offers relief. And it's a catastrophic mistake for psychologists, educators, and the medical establishment to rush these teens towards a solution that will almost certainly harm rather than heal. Because here's what's not in dispute. Unnecessary medical gender transition causes irreversible damage, high risk of infertility, sexual dysfunction, and the creation of a permanent medical patient. Tragically, we've made it far too easy for kids to take this path, long before they're ready psychologically or emotionally to make such a life-altering decision. Testosterone is easily obtained by today's teens. In Oregon, a 15-year-old can walk into a gender clinic. Yes, there are now gender clinics all over the country and walk out the same day with a prescription for testosterone without her parents' permission. 16-year-old girls have been able to undergo double mastectomies, the removal of both breasts, without even a therapist's note. Predictably, hasty gender transition, remember we're talking about teenagers here, is now leading to a lot of regret. New testimonials appear on YouTube almost every week from teens who acknowledge that they made a terrible mistake and warn others not to make the same one. So how do you protect your daughter from being drawn into this dangerous and growing trend? First, limit their exposure to social media as much as you can. Several academic studies have already linked the alarming rates of anxiety and depression to young girls' punishing experience on social media, a place that often makes them feel sad, unattractive, and alone. Second, oppose the teaching of gender ideology in your kids' school. In California, gender identity education begins in kindergarten and proceeds through high school. The theme is that kids' gender identity is totally independent of their physical sex and something that only they can know. Schools can and should insist that every child be treated respectfully without sowing gender confusion in an entire student population. Third, and most importantly, remember that a teenager is still just a teenager. You don't have to agree with every identity proclamation your daughter comes up with. Knowledge of her identity will develop over time. Until then, being the adult in the relationship is the most loving thing you can do. I'm Abigail Schreier, author of Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters for Prager University. Thank you, Abigail Schreier. That's a great, great thing. What we're doing to our children is a terrible thing. Neil Postman, the sociologist, the great sociologist, wrote, Children are a force for preserving childhood, not a political force, but a kind of moral force in society. 
we are turning them into political forces and turning our society into an immoral force by doing so. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Let me close with where I started and a tribute to Lincoln as we go into Good Friday. As I mentioned, Clinton Rossiter called him the Christ martyr of America's democratic passion play. Lincoln in 1858. These communities by their representatives in old independence hall said to the whole world of men, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was their majestic interpretation of the economy of the universe. This was their lofty and wise and noble understanding of the justice of the creator to his creatures. Yes, gentlemen, to all his creatures, to the whole great family of man. In their enlightened belief, nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and imbruted by its fellows. Those men grasped not only the whole race of man then living, but they reached forward and seized upon the farthest of posterities. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children, and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. Wise statesmen as they were, they knew the tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, and so they established these great self-evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, their posterity might look up again to that old declaration of independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers began so that truth and justice and mercy and all the human and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land and so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principles on which the temple of liberty was built. Not just the Christ martyr of America's democratic passion play, but our poet as well. God bless you. I'm Seth Leibson. Class dismissed.